Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello and welcome to this episode of Voices in DevOps, where I'm delighted to be speaking to Tracy Miranda, um, who's possibly got one of the biggest uh, business cards you need, or you'd need to write it all very small. Tracy is Director of Open Source, or for Open Source, for Community at CloudBees, and is also on the Governing Board for for the Continuous Delivery Foundation, which is quite a mouthful to tell people at parties, Tracy. Um, <laughs> so, how, 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 how did you get all these titles? What's your kind of uh, career trajectory? Uh, where, where have you been and how did, how did you get to where you are? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, John. So, um, the open source part is, uh, has probably been the, the theme throughout my career. So, I'm pretty much a veteran of um, a, a whole bunch of open source communities. Uh, if we pick up open source first, um, mm-hmm. how how did that all happen? How did how did uh, open source become such a big part of your uh, working life? Yeah, so my background, I actually started off um, in hardware, um, funnily enough. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, what, what happened is uh, working at a company, and as you do, they sort of cancel the project um, I was working on, and out of the blue, we're just like, okay, you need to learn Java and uh, use this platform, which was um, the Eclipse open source project. And then I was fortunate enough to go to um, an open source conference um, of all places at Disney World, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, just having gone to that conference, I found the community really welcoming, really helpful. This whole idea that the code could and should be open and people could share that and that would lead to a massive community and loads of innovation. Um, it was just really compelling. So I was hooked uh, from that. You know, I think that was back mm. sort of over well over 10 years ago. So I've stuck I mean, with uh, open source. As a matter of interest, I mean, so going from hardware to software uh, mm-hmm. it is an interesting transition anyway. Uh, some might say that hardware people don't get software very well. Um, I'm, I'm not saying I would say that. Um, <laughs> being someone that's worked with both as well. Uh, um, but then going from software in general to open source in particular, uh, do you think it was the community aspect that just drew you more and more in, into that direction, into the software-based direction, as well as the, the open source direction? Yes, for sure. The community, just the pace at which things were evolving as well. Like you could see just how, how exciting it was and, and the new things coming along. So I find that really compelling. And, and I think personally as well, I, I love being at kind of the intersection of different things. So it sometimes works really well, but having one foot in, in different camps. Mm. And, and did open source beget the Continuous Delivery Foundation or, or was that a separate initiative? Yes. So how that came about... Um, so I'm in, when it comes to CICD and DevOps, um, I'm actually fa- fairly new, sort of relatively speaking. So it's only been about 18 months um, since I joined CloudBees. And that came about because uh, I, I sort of got to talking to Kosuke Kawaguchi, who's creator of Jenkins. 
And uh, he was looking to do some pretty exciting things um, with open source and with Jenkins around this foundation. And it, it sounded really interesting and, you know, right in an area I could help drive. Um, so I came on board uh, to CloudBeast to do that and doing so sort of went from, you know, just a developer who's used Jenkins to really getting stuck in with the open source community, what's and all. Um, and, and I think also coming in with that fresh perspective, you get to a point where you sort of realize like, you know, the whole CICD landscape is, is just crazy. Like, I don't know how we expect newcomers into the field to figure out which tools to use and how to put things together. So I think coming in with the open source, with those fresh eyes and sort of seeing that problem, it, it was sort of glaringly obvious to me. Is this a good point to talk about imposter syndrome or shall we hold that one off until later? Uh, particularly in the, in, in the whole, I mean, you, you're getting involved in the open source community. How can I help you with your imposter? <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed. No, because back in, I can remember back in the early 90s uh, when I um, started hanging out with some of the people from the Minix user group uh, that were driving uh, use of uh, very early Linux back then. Mm-hmm. And I felt such a fraud. Um, and I've never lost that um, particular particular aspect. So I, I, I've come to terms with my imposter syndrome. I'm very comfortable with it. Um, but uh, I think it's fascinating. I think more interesting to me is maybe the, the perspectives that you must have at, from that observational standpoint, having worked you know, in code and then with a, a very broad community. And then, as you say, the, 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 the continuous world I don't know quite how to phrase that. There isn't a. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it, that's a great way. It, it's not. It's not one unit, is it? It's. It, it's more an ecosystem. Uh, it is massively complex. I mean, it, it. We can segue into what's causing challenges in organisations, or we can just talk about that for a bit. Uh, um, th- this. This complexity. It, is it, in your mind, uh, a? I'm trying not to say a good thing, a bad thing, but. How would you characterize it um, in terms of is, is it the, is it the nature of the beast? Is it just always it was always going to be like that, or has it got into a place where it should not be, or is it in a good place? How would you? Okay, so like the you, you mean the complexity of the the tooling or how to get solutions around? Yeah, without asking a leading question, I, I, the leading bit of it is I think fragmentation is a bad thing. Um, yes. So. Um, but your take on seeing it in terms of maybe there are some good things about it. Yeah, I mean, with tools, and you, you see this in every industry, it tends to be a pendulum, um, this, this consolidation around specific platforms. And then as new re- needs arise, uh, people tend to bring up new things. Um, but in terms of the current state, I think it's way, way too far on the, the fragmentation side. and And there's a lot of like uncertainty, people don't understand what does what. There's a, a lot of FUD um, as well around tools. And I think part of this is is just the sheer nature of the tech landscape at the moment with mm-hmm. the arrival of cloud native um, sort of as a, as a new tech paradigm. People are, are trying to figure out what does that mean? You know, how do we run distributed systems? The environments are so different. How do we deliver for that? So, 
you've got this proliferation of environments, which leads to proliferation of tools, which, you know, just makes life difficult for everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, your open source background. So Mm -hmm. you started in the, in the eclipse world. Yes. Um, But if I mischaracterize that, essentially a lot of that world came out of people extending the development of things they already understood. So if you take uh, Unix to Linux, if you take uh, you know, C++ to Java, to, and uh, it, the Eclipse uh, framework was, was originally um, a, a tool set that was then open sourced. So, uh, and even things like OpenOffice and so on, everything then was, um, a lot of things then were taking something you understand and then getting the community to, to extend it. Whereas now we've got a, a very different thing, which is the community creates what it likes which is fantastically innovative. So, or am I completely wrong? Yeah, I mean, the well, they're still at the heart of, um, like you take the Continuous Delivery Foundation, we, we still have projects there. So you, you take something like Jenkins, um, you know, which is by far the, the most adopted mm-hmm. uh, CICD tool. And that kind of follows the, the traditional model uh, in terms of people write plugins and they, they figure out ways to extend it. Um, but I think in general, like open source, like if I look back at kind of where I started off with Eclipse and where we are today with open source um, and the Continuous Delivery Foundation, it's such a different landscape like for one thing, um, you know, open source is most definitely a C-suite concern um, for, for mm-hmm. almost every company. You know, you, you've got these big enterprise banks and, and they are having discussions about, you know, what does it mean to, to use open source? What does it mean to extend it? What does it mean to be part of a foundation? Um, so you take something like the Continuous Delivery Foundation and you know, we have HSBC as founding members. We have Capital One. Um, JP Morgan, and it's, you know, it just kind of points to this whole, you know, software and open source software has eaten the world. And just while we're on that subject, the Continuous Delivery Foundation, uh, I haven't set up this question. I genuinely don't know what it does. So maybe maybe give us a <laughs> 10 second quick overview of the, the remits of the Continuous Delivery Foundation, just while we're yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. So the Continuous Delivery Foundation, it's a, it's a vendor neutral home um, for, you know, some of the fastest growing projects in the continuous delivery space. Uh, and we also see it as a place for kind of collaboration uh, to drive what we're going to see as the, the next generation of tools and communities. Okay, so it's it, it's the basis for the the next uh, the next stage of platforming of of the tools that you need to, to yes. deliver continuous delivery. Yeah, and if you look at the the founding, the, we've we've got four founding projects there, which which sort of give you an indication of um, you know how how that's going to evolve. So you've got you know, Jenkins, the the most wide. Uh-huh. Largest use, yeah, yep. that one. <laughs> Have you heard of Jenkins, John? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Spinnaker, you know, that came out of Netflix as, as yep. kind of the gold standard for delivery. Um, so those are the ones which are kind of in use a lot today. And then you've got the the new breed of the the cloud native CI/CD platform. So Tekton, which came out of Google's uh, K-native uh, serverless platform. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the build-in pipeline side. And Jenkins X, which is you know completely cloud-native, focused on the developer experience around delivering software. And that's also Kubernetes-related, is it? Yes. Am I so right? Both, yeah. Okay. yeah. So Jenkins X uh, will use things like the Tekton building blocks um, and just focused on, you know, how would you completely have a build on Kubernetes to, to deliver your software? Well, I, I think that's, that's a perfect kind of setup for the next question then. Uh, because you're looking at both the past and you're looking at the future and you're talking to very big organizations and you've got that community background. You're, you're linking all the different bits. So what's the problem we're trying to solve here in your mind? Uh, what, what's going, what's not working uh, that needs to be uh, addressed? Or what's the opportunity that uh, is, is so exciting to you that can be harnessed um, in, in some way using these new ways of doing things, do you think? Yeah, no, well, first of all, you sum it up uh, really nicely there. So, um, like, I think the the problem we see in the Continuous Delivery Foundation, um, you know, this the the book on continuous delivery by Jess Humble and Jean Kim that was written around ten years ago um, and mapped out things really well. But if you look at you know any survey or anything that talks about rates of adoption, it's it's pretty low. You know some people will have uh, some of their tool chain fully set up, but practically nobody has all their software sort of automated and and it with this ability to deliver quickly and robustly. And so we sort of ask ourselves, you know, why, why is that? Like, we know what to do. Why haven't we done it? And like, I see these three reasons, you know, the, the fragmentation of, you know, just this massive proliferation of tools is one. Uh-huh. Second is this whole, um, you know, the, the fact that things are changing so much with the rise of cloud native, um, that means things have to adapt and change. And then the third reason is just simply that change is, is really, really hard. And it's not just a case of adopting new tools, but you have to sort of change culture and mindset. And you know that is the real challenging part of it. Mm. Uh, and I could add four and five, but it's not my podcast, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm really curious. What, what's what's five? <laughs> uh, so, well, two, two fascinating things, and I, I think, CloudBees is relevant in this discussion. This isn't about CloudBees. This is about your experience. But um, obviously, um, uh, you, you know the company quite well now. Uh, is one example of an organization that is looking to move beyond what it did traditionally. So the vendor landscape is changing, and it's becoming um, less fragmented. Uh, we, we, I think we're just seeing the beginnings of that. Yes. Um, and uh, so what CloudBees talks about with software delivery management, um, I think that's a, a symptom of the rapture, if you like. That's that's a, a, a stake in the ground of how things are going to start to look. Um, that's one thing. And I've yes. got another one. Mm-hmm. But you can, do you want to hear the other one? Um, yeah, well, just a quick comment on that. Like, like you know, CloudBees is a leader in the DevOps space and, you know, has all already contributed to some of that consolidation um, by acquiring companies like Rollout and Electric Cloud, if you like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but, but I think definitely uh, we see, 
you know, this, this is an ecosystem thing. Everybody has to work together um, and, and it will be sort of bringing all these tools together. So it's not just for one company um, necessarily to have this Uber tool. Um, so I think we see that really well and we see it's all about kind of working together and driving towards that interoperability. Mm, I'm really struggling with that as in I'm struggling to predict what things are going to look like. Uh, us analysts are supposed to be great at making predictions. Um, but that, mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of what, what does right, what does the uh, rightness look like? You know, what does just enoughness look like in terms of uh, whether you need a co- comprehensive platform with bits added or whether you need a much thinner, lighter weight platform with bigger chunks. That's quite yes. difficult to predict. Yeah. And I think like we're, it's definitely, it feels like we're in this, you know, CICD renaissance where nobody knows what the answer is going to be, but uh, you know, if, if people come together and we can, you know, figure it out, then we have the, the platform um, that will, you know, or, or the basis, maybe platform isn't a good word, but the basis for driving forward software delivery. And we have a mm. couple of ideas emerging. Um, so from some of the early conversations um, we've had in CDF, it's, it's simple things uh, that we start saying, uh, look, there's some low-hanging fruit around, uh, you know, why don't we have a canonical metadata around specific things like release information? You know, what if Spinnaker, Jenkins X, and other tools just subscribe to the same canonical metadata so you could, you know, output release information, other tools could consume it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's all sorts of things that, you know, besides release data, there's test data, you know, just having sort of canonical metadata is, is like a first good step. I think that's a fantastic uh, proposal. Um, can't wait. Um, and uh, the other thing I'd like is that we just, uh, I don't want to go full waterfall on this thing. <laughs> but just to agree that there's a notion, for example, of a, a requirements phase, and we'll call it a requirements phase as opposed to a requirements phase or an innovation phase or an ideation phase or a this phase or that phase. It's just like, oh, you're there, right? Okay. And you can then change jobs from one company to another um, and say that you do that without having to kind of work out what language they're using. So uh, I agree with you on, on, the, on the, the kind of metadata level. Um, but equally, I think we could agree on the terminology thing uh, at, at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be great to to have some consensus around some of the terms there as well. That one, I don't know, that, that's probably quite challenging for certain things just based, based on a few conversations. Um, but it, everybody agrees um, that, that it would be nice to, to have that sort of common lexicon. Wouldn't it be nice to have a common lexicon? What a great word, lexicon. Can that be the <laughs> word of the day? I'll, I'm going to tweet lexicon later. Um, so just just for the record, my, my second point was um, oh, yes. that it's I, – I, I just I, – I'm a, such a complete finisher. I need, to, I need to finish that train of thought. That, that the, um, it's not just about within uh, what we're currently calling DevOps, but that actually has touch points with – you know, business change and so on and so forth. And I've been playing with various, speaking of lexicons, uh, terms for my own use, things like continuous culture. Uh, mm-hmm. in, so you mentioned the cultural aspects. But interestingly, 
um, the if, for example, you want to build a bot for your customer service. Yes. Sometimes that's going to be absolutely the right thing to do. Sometimes it's going to be absolutely the wrong thing to do, and you should have a person. Mm-hmm. And those are kinds of uh, business decisions that are still innovation decisions, but they're business decisions in, in terms of how, how best to interact and which bits of things should be automated versus which bits. Uh, so that's where I'd like to th- see things extend to when we're talking about uh, continuous in- innovation or just uh, this this broader notion of ch- transformational change that we're seeing all organizations go through. There you go. That's my fifth. Yes, no, for sure. I think uh, at, at Cloudbees, we we sort of just we just refer to it now as continuous everything because that that's what it feels like. Uh, yeah, simple and effective. Yep, I like that. Yep. So this, if if an enterprisey kind of uh, person is listening to this podcast, what they'd be hearing is we've kind of created a bit of a rod for our own backs and they'd recognize that their organization maybe there's pockets of best practice but it's really really hard to scale that best practice across the the organization and to to reference all these other touch points they'd also reference that the devops world is in a state of evolution just by nature of what you're saying and the continuous yes. delivery foundation what it's a kind of chicken and egg question um but there, there could be things that they could be doing now to to help make their lives better and, and just start to be able to scale concepts and so on. Maybe it is about a lexicon, I don't know. And also there'd be things that they could start to think about to um, prepare themselves for um, a more mature ecosystem that they can engage with. And, and I th- what you're saying about the CDF suggests that it, it is great, you know, the, the ecosystem is growing in maturity. Yes. So, it was, it was a, a, I'm, I'm full of waffle today, but it's a two-part question. One is, what can people like that be thinking about now and what can they be thinking about in order to prepare themselves uh, for, for where things are going, do you think? Yeah, I think for what they should do now and a lot I sort of see is um, like when we go and talk to people, um, they're sort of heads down, focused on their own space, but mm-hmm. but like a, what I almost want to recommend is is they come up for air. You know, they they get out and they go and go to conferences, and they go join the places where people are having these conversations, because so many times we see people who have sort of rolled their own tooling or come up with um, some process, but um, just talking to other people in the same boat is incredibly powerful like sharing ideas sharing what's worked and what hasn't um and just getting context as well like uh, the solutions are always going to be unique to your organization and your problem space but hearing what other people have tried in the right context um often is very very helpful so just uh, i mean and that does link back to the imposter syndrome point funnily enough which is uh, uh don't don't be afraid to start learning what other people are doing and even saying what you're doing in such a way that you can find out uh, and even participate in the evolution of best practice. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like with anything, like if you want to be a better writer, you just write um, and then you get the feedback and you improve, but you, 
you've got to start by just doing it. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with continuous delivery. You know, just start somewhere, start delivering, start trying to get things in order, and then you know, figure out what what is the biggest constraint. How do I fix that and and iterate again? Just back to this idea of continuous um, continuous improvement. Uh, just do it. Talk to people. Get some feedback, and then and keep going, and just don't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and would that would that, I mean? A lot of uh, the conversations we have seem to be kind of seeing developers as the the, the kind of key stakeholders in this. But uh, would you aim that advice at, at a, a broader pool of people? What kinds of roles should be or could be uh, building on their experience? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. I think we yeah, we do. F- well, and I'm guilty of this as well, fall into that trap of, of the focus on developers. Uh, we're trying to figure out a way, like particularly for the Continuous Delivery Foundation, you know, to open itself up to all sorts of practitioners um, and maybe particularly groups who aren't first-class citizens, you know, where, where are the testers in the room and the QA? I'd love to mm. see um, more to sort of elevate those conversations and bring them in and have... Uh, you know, just have everybody kind of sharing their perspective because I think that's that's what it takes to to get to the right solutions. Mm. The, the, there's a there's a behavioural question there, which is you assume that if it, they're not in the room, they don't matter. Yes, and therefore, and yeah, we, we sort of need need everybody at at the table um, mm. to, which is yeah, which is which is challenging. I think which is part of the things we we have to try and figure out. <laughs> shouldn't slack solve that one i don't know that's what we're told <laughs> isn't it you need collaboration oh you mean you mean we need slack that's oh just get a slack channel it'll make everything better yes yeah, it's funny you should say that because cdf does now has just set up its own slack channel um there you go so, so you can start start there it's a one entry point um and uh, at the end of this remind me when i say thank you very much and we all say goodbye remind me to ask you for some links to these things, and, and we we can uh, we can we can list out a few a few salient uh, points that people can can reference some of this stuff. So that's good. Um, large organisations, really large organisations. Same advice: just do it, just start delivering, but then just start learning, and then just start sharing. Or and you mentioned you know board level uh, open. Do, do we need a? a, a I don't know, chief continuous delivery officer? I think so. I think we, um, for me, well, certainly in open source, um, I've always seen the power of individual champions um, Mm. in in the industry. So, I mean, if the champion is is at the exact level, then that's great. But people should never underestimate the ability of of an individual in a company to make a change. And one of the topics, um, like I've spoken a lot about in the past year, is, is this whole concept around GitOps. Um, and we've, we've often had people coming up and asking, you know, how, how can I be a GitOps champion in my organization? How can I encourage everybody to, to sort of do these best practices? Um, and, I, and I think actually individuals um, can, can go pretty far as, as long as, you know, they're supported and if you're talking to other people doing the same thing in other industries um it, it can be really helpful so i guess that, that's that's the word of inspiration for the individuals in the enterprise but uh yeah enterprises in general i think need to just see the fact that software is 
delivering features is is a massive massive differentiator and um, yeah just mm-hmm. find, assign value to it accordingly uh, okay I'm going to ask a dumb question here um, does one self championize or does can, can champions be created or did, did are they should 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 directors be saying be identifying and creating champions or can you become a champion from within yes i think in every company there are people who could be or would be champions so i think the the role at the higher level is for the executives to identify these people and empower them so sort of get things out of their way and just give them the ability to to kind of drive for that change and, and that can be pretty powerful and yeah, for pe- people themselves, I mean, I've gone through that transformation myself from just being somebody who wants to use open source to actually advocating, um, you, you know, with with big companies about what they should be doing and how they should be sort of adapting open source. So you can, to, to use your word, uh, championize yourself. Championization. Yeah, that's championization. what we need. I'm sure <laughs> there's a continuous some championization somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, the the grammar police may be knocking at the door very quickly. If, I, uh, <laughs> if, if we just say it often enough, it, it becomes a new word, right? It becomes a thing, <laughs> absolutely. It's a new, new, new thing. So, <laughs> uh, gulp. Um, so, <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I, I think uh, that uh, ending with with the principle of champions, uh, and I, I think that the um, uh, empowerment. I, I was looking at the. Funnily enough, uh, what, you, what you were saying about uh, the, uh, you know, the the continuous delivery and what what's become the the Dora uh, State of DevOps report and and, and the importance mm-hmm. of giving people uh, uh, an environment where they can thrive, I, I think that links very strongly into that. Um, last thoughts then, um, if you were to wave a magic wand and help. Uh, I'm thinking out loud. I'm thinking, what's the problem we're actually trying to solve here? We want even the the best organizations to be able to be as uh, productive and, um, um, did I just say best? I meant biggest. And uh, deliver on their potential through through the power of software, the power of technology, and get rid of the things that are in the way. So if you could make that happen, uh, what, what would you do? To, to to kind of uh, help everyone forward from here. I, Get everyone I to would, join the CDM. I <laughs> would start a foundation which would find <laughs> a neutral. And, Genius. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I think there's something to be said for, for just a safe space where people can come and gather, you know, not feeling any pressure um, from, from a specific vendor or from a specific agenda, but just creating these, these spaces um, both, both sort of on the tool side and then on the the practices side as well. So you know, I I think just sticking with that theme, I would in, encourage people to get sort of involved with the community. Uh, we have we have the saying, you know, community is the capacity. So we can do as much as uh, people are willing to sort of step forward and do. And I think we're going to see a lot more on the you know the what I, I spoke of earlier, the drive for interoperability. Um, so, and part of that conversation, I'd love to have the, you know, what we call the, the end user companies, um, 
to to give that voice to it and and different perspectives of that you know how are you using the software what makes a difference how should we evolve these tools so just get involved uh, with cdf i think is is my big call to so action it, i guess if if thank you yeah so if it is about starting doing things start start getting involved and uh, just uh, on that note so is it as simple as googling for the continuous delivery foundation and um the Slack channel and everything else will just appear or? Uh, uh, yeah, I wish. Um, yeah, start with CD Foundation. I think we're, we're still kind of bootstrapping and trying to make the, the channels pretty clear. Mm -hmm. um, but if you go onto CD Foundation and we, we've got a set of mailing lists and we'll, we'll get a link up to the, the Slack channel. And we also have a, an event coming up at uh, co-located with KubeCon San Diego, um, which is in November. Mm -hmm. and so that will be a big gathering of uh, a lot of the community members. So if, if people can join us there um, at that on, I believe it's November 18th, so just about a month from now uh, in San Diego, that, that's an amazing place to just feel the energy and feel the direction of where things are headed and, and contribute and, and be part of that. And you'll be there, obviously. And I'll so, be there for sure. So, uh, so people out there, if you're there, look look up Tracy and and look up the Continuous Delivery Foundation. I think, um, uh, I mean, as as someone that uh, has a, a personal kind of fear about the fragmentation that, that we, it, it's like Sorcerer's Apprentice to me. We've we've just created so many brooms and, and then we don't <laughs> yes. know what to do with them all. Um, it's a great so, analogy. So, uh, uh, and brooms are great, but oh my God, there's a lot of brooms. Um, and so, as, as someone who has that very, very strongly in my in my in my working mind, certainly, um, I, I'd love to see you do something about it. And uh, so, fingers crossed, and and good luck for the future with that. I really look forward to seeing where it goes. Yes. Yeah. No. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, we'll see you back in a year, and I'm sure uh, yeah, it'll be amazing. Good idea. Let, let's do this again. We'll see how we got on. Perfect. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in DevOps, please check out the other ones. Scaling DevOps for the enterprise is the focus of a recent report John wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how digital transformation is evolving, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on IT operations and business strategies.